What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. I want to welcome you to this version of the Niche Finder podcast. Today we have calling all the way from Sydney, Australia. Yes, this is a gentleman who just literally stepped out of the ocean to step right into this moment to come share his niche and share his, his expertise with you. He goes by the name of Peter Anthony and his business is an international business that is not about consulting. It's about outcomes. And so I want to really get you to get to know this gentleman. Again, his name of his company is Peter Anthony Consulting, and he is all about how he can collaborate in business, both in culture and in teams, and as well as individuals. He's helping them to get outcomes that they may not be able to do on their own, or they may be stuck in some way, shape, or form, and they call this man, and he's able to get them unstuck and to get them moving in the direction that they desire to be. And so without further ado, we want to introduce to the Niche Finder podcast, Peter Anthony. Thank you for joining the program today. G'day from Sydney, Australia, Clifton. <laughs> All right, so so we jump right into this. Why would the audience have a vested interest in your journey? A vested interest in my journey? Like it, my journey is the journey of going from having a lot of different fruit in my cart to specializing in one uh, and it's it's very much a journey of not just me finding my niche but uh, my clients finding me and I guess one of the the themes I'd, I'd like to you to think about is to think well it's not so much what niche you would like to focus on but what niche clients or customers are willing to engage with you commercially in so and what i'd recommend is to get get potential clients or potential customers inside your tent and by tent i mean your business uh, as early and as often as you can uh, what i what i see with people that struggle in developing a, a profitable niche is that they think uh, it's almost like a laboratory i'm going to have all these experiments create this wonderful product, this wonderful website, this beautiful service. And then when it's all shiny, I'm going to go out there and try and find people to buy it. Uh, what I'd recommend is 
you uh, you collaborate, if you like, with your clients and potential clients and ask for their advice. And you'll be surprised by how willing and competent uh, clients and customers are in helping you refine a product that they're interested in engaging with. Does that make sense? Mm. It sure does. I interviewed someone the other day and, and uh, the way he encapsulated, um, name was Blaine, um, Olkers. He actually said that service to many leads to greatness. Yes. And I think that's what I hear you're saying. Like, even if you can get it out there, it may not be perfect, but get it out there and start getting feedback. Listen to your customers and see how you can refine what you have to make it yes. better for the next person. Is that? Yes. And if you look so, at, I mean, some of, some of the biggest, most successful brands in the world, are companies that make products that you buy in supermarkets, like the detergents and the foods and the cereals and the soups. You can go to any aisle in a supermarket and find products mm-hmm. that you like. None of those products is made without consumers and shoppers being in mind. They, if mm-hmm. they're looking for a new version or a new formulation, uh, they they invite uh, shoppers or, or uh, customers or, or consumers. Uh, into the into their development process very early because they're interested in creating an ideal experience for them and the reason they do it isn't because they they have such big hearts many of them do but the reason they do it is because it's smart business uh, mm. it's smart business because they're understanding because if you, if you think about a, a commercial relationship it's a relationship that involves at least two people maybe more and uh, it's very difficult for you, unless you are a consumer of that product yourself or a client of that product yourself, to understand uniquely uh, what sort of value proposition will be most valuable for them. So bring them, bring them in early. And have the, a lot of folks will say to me, well, I'm not sure I want to do that, Peter, because it's not ready yet. And what I'd suggest is it can't be ready until they've got their fingerprints all over it. Hmm. Yes. I love it. So tell me something. What external struggles did you find yourself up against at the start of this journey? The external struggle uh, I had was uh, was purely financial, Winston. It was um, I I started this journey. I was I was uh, I was running a consulting business for for clients. We're working in twelve countries, and I had a uh, a big family and a mortgage and children to feed, mortgages to pay. All, all the normal financial issues that anyone would face, and uh, the I uh, I initially thought that uh, that I can't delay this. I need to make money quickly. So what I attempted to do was to sell what I was doing, and what I found very quickly is that uh, the more I'm selling, or the more I sold, the less sales took place. Because if I'm attempting to sell whatever the whatever the product or service is I'm selling, in my case it was consulting services, as soon as people feel like I'm selling to them, what happens is three very damaging characteristics of a relationship. Number one is they get cynical. Two, they act like buyers and they distance themselves from you. And they think as a buyer, because you've asked them to be a buyer because you're selling to them, they'll put downward pressure on fees or rates or prices. So I had, I had that that struggle. I had the the financial imperatives to make the money to support the family, uh, and I knew that the harder I, which encouraged me to sell, if you like, or speed things up, 
uh, the, and the, the more I attempted to sell, the less I sold. So that was that was that was a huge struggle. The other struggle was I I tried to initially go way too broad, uh, and I thought I could offer many things to the clients that I was talking to, uh, and they're mainly uh, large multinational clients that, that that I work with. I thought I could offer many things, but in fact, uh, it's the more I got specific and unique, and the more I made a an offering that was unique to me, valuable to the client, and hard to replicate by a competitor. The more successful I became, hmm. and and the money the money the money flowed. If you're patient, if you're patient, the the money the abundance will happen larger, but just a little bit later than you that you might expect, or the, you might your bills might demand you. Uh, hmm. oh, does that make sense? It sure does. Um, and, and I, and I love it because that's a reality that, you know, most people don't really think about when they're jumping into this thing. Cause they, they typically start with that passion and the passion drives them to see how important it is. But then how that translates into somebody having their fingerprints all over it. Like you said, it, yeah. they don't always as, uh, Myron Golden actually says it best. He, and I'll paraphrase. He says a lot of people give up in the process of, becoming successful in business because they never outlast the learning curve right so they give yeah, up yeah, somewhere yeah. in the middle without you yeah. know you gotta you gotta be able to see just like what you're saying look it may be longer than what you think <laughs> but it'll be worth it, it, it so will. what type and of it, internal it, struggles it, it, did you have though uh internal struggles were uh, a lot of self-doubt like uh who am i some guy from manly in a, in sydney in australia who am I to be talking to these senior people and advising them on how they can grow their business or how they can uh, achieve business outcomes sooner? I had like a, which is often true of Australians working particularly uh, in America as I was uh, or in the UK uh, or even like in China or Korea as I have, you you, you feel like, uh, who am I to be here? I remember the, the first time I, I ran a workshop in New York City uh, I, I flew in, checked into the hotel, woke up in the morning, walked outside. I saw all the streets I used to see on TV programs as, as a kid. And I thought, who am I to be here? Like uh, mm. little old me in, in big New York. And I had to, had to remind myself, well, who am I not to be here? What, why? I, I have, I have unique expertise here. I have something of value to offer these folks. And it's a, it can often, as the challenge gets bigger, stress can work in a weird way where just when you need the skills the most, they're available to you the least because the stress response kicks in and that pressure and anxiety kicks in and makes you, just shrinks you down. Uh, takes, mm. takes away that, I don't mean like, like walk through fire self-confidence, but just uh, remember, remember that this is your path, this is your journey. If you're tapping into a passion, what I believe is, uh, like Carl Jung said, he said that there's a, the, uh, he talked about the consciousness, subconscious mind, and he said subconsciously there's a inner self that beckons you on a call to adventure, and this is your adventure. And the more that it is your adventure, the more unique your contribution can be. And that's what you're designed to do, not just to get business outcomes for people, but that's when you'll feel best. And I think people listening that are following a passion, it makes them feel good like nothing else does. And if you're not following your passion, if you're in a job or a role where you're not following your passion, it can be quite literally soul-destroying because it's, it's destroying who you are. 
So mm. a lot of this, a lot of this journey in finding and developing a niche is about becoming who you are and making the contribution that you're designed to give. And then, then you feel, then you feel not happy, joy, joy, like laughing down the footpath or down the sidewalk. It's more, you just feel content. <laughs> this, this is my destiny. This, it feels great. Hop back in uh, for me. Hop back in the aircraft afterwards, and yeah, get that sense of satisfaction that nothing else will give you. And and that's why that call beckons you, because uh, according to Jung, that's when you feel best. You feel you feel mm. good by doing well. You feel good by being you, not by being somebody yeah. else, not by being Elon Musk or just Jeff right. Bezos. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I was talking to my son earlier today. He just started playing high school basketball. And um, as I was walking out of the house about to go to his game, the thought that dawned on me was I just wanted to give him encouragement. This is me talking to myself as I'm going there, imagining what I'm going to tell him. And I was just saying to myself, like, you know, there are times when you may not feel ready for your moment. Right. But it doesn't mean that you're not made for it. And I think it just kind of speaks to what you're saying, like Carl Young is saying, like there are times where you may not feel ready for it, but it, it just like when that moment gets called and you feel like your resource or you as a resource meets the need of your client and the two of those click together, then you'll see that you were actually made for it. <laughs> I, 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 like, uh, I like that. I like that. You're not ready for it. You're made for it. And what, and what, what you'll find or what I have found is that... Uh, the moments keep changing because the moments get bigger. Opportunities get bigger. Presentations get bigger. Uh, clients get bigger, and you, you ideally you are you are just you are just ahead of uh, what you can do best. Which you can imagine if if you're watching like uh, elite athletes, you're watching athletes in Olympic games. You're watching say the hundred meter sprint. You're thinking uh, these men and women have spent a lifetime learning how to run really fast, mm. and uh, they were literally made for that event. And when they break a record, they they break a personal best or they break an Olympic or, or world record. Uh, uh, then what happens is that the, the 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 yardstick just gets higher. Like if you're high jumping, if the bar gets higher, if you're running, the the speed gets lower, and that's going to keep happening. And the reason it keeps happening is that as you keep uh, uh, reaching and, and achieving and succeeding on those thresholds, you feel better. This is this is just good, positive psychology. You feel good by doing well, no matter what you're doing. At what you're doing, I've, I've got I've got two sons, and I encourage I encouraged them and still do to play sport, but it's basketball or baseball or football, whatever it may be, and do their best because I don't want them to learn to be good basketball players or good football players. I want them to be good at delivering their best at what they choose to do and get into the habit mm, of yes. thinking that way. You haven't got to you haven't got to score the most points or the most touchdowns in the game. You're just going to be the best version of you in that game, and then you'll get good at being your best at everything that you do, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a football game, a basketball match, or whether it's to uh, finding and developing and profiting from an itch. Mm. So that's what I consider to be your journey. And right now, what I want to talk about is what I, I, I categorize as your niche, right? And that is five categories. It's what's your passion? What do you do that feels purposeful? The patterns are what you do naturally well. And then proficiencies are what you've learned to do well over time. And lastly is your problem solving or, or that also includes problem finding. So we go back up to the top. We talk about your passions. What do you do that when you do it, you feel ignited? What I what I do and I feel ignited is I I like 
being part of people achieving an outcome together through understanding how collaborating with their customers, their colleagues uh, in a team or in, or in a culture, seeing that working and seeing how they are as a result of my intervention. So I, I like I like that endpoint. I, I like seeing the result. That gives me a kick. It also gives you the affirmation that what you're doing works. I mean, I know now what I do works because I've seen it work in too many different environments to, to doubt it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that drives me. And, and I believe this is... This has been with me since I was a child. I mean, I remember my mother encouraging me to... to she was an Irish Catholic, had a big family, uh, and I was a young boy that just liked reading and not talking to people. And she encouraged me to come out and talk to my Uncle Harry uh, when I was like five or six years old and just ask him questions and and uh, listen to the awesome stories he told about being a lumberjack in the Australian bush. And it, be, it began... an inkling in me as I'm sure it would in you or any listener that that uh, when when that gets tapped or uh, when that gets introduced you know what that is you you can you can get a sense of it and it usually happens relatively young you you feel like this is me this this is what I'm born to do and then then they they fall into two categories they can be hobbies and businesses because some niches become hobbies Mm. I've got a great mate of mine right. that's really into stamp collecting. He calls himself a philatelist, which is a, he's wow. like a top tier stamp collector, which I think is weird, but he, he's into it, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't run a business out of stamp collecting, but that's his hobby. I've got friends that are golfers or that they love playing golf. They're not good enough to be on the PGA tour, like shooting 10 under, but they're good enough to enjoy it. That's a hobby. That's, that's, that's terrific. That's a ditch hobby. Yeah, think about uh, think about um, what is it about this passion of mine that I can translate into a business? Are there people uh, willing and able to buy what it is I'm selling, or am I creating something new and introduce something to people and provoke them, if you like, into, into a, a new way or a different way of thinking or dealing with a problem that they have? Mm. You know, there's a proverb that says, don't go where the path may lead, go where there is no path and leave a trail in your journey. What do you do that feels purposeful that when you do it, you feel like I was made for this moment? I was made. I, I, I think I think when I mean, I do a combination of two things. I I study collaboration hard. I study collaborative cultures. I, I study uh, and look at like academic articles and, and like Harvard Business Review pieces um, and uh Wharton Business School studies. I, I look at like what the best thinkers in the world are doing and at finding uh, in academic and business research and then translate that into something that people can, can do. Because most of the clients I'm working with are too busy to do that. I find that like intrinsically interesting to read that and then think about, well, how can I apply that? So, so I'll, I'll be looking at people like, say, Eleanor Ostrom, who uh, was an American, I think she was the last woman that won a Nobel Prize in economics. She won the Nobel Prize for her work in pro-social collaboration uh, in, in communities. Um, I look at the work of people like Rachel Botsman, who looks at uh, collaborative, uh, collaborative economy and collaborative uh, client uh, organisation relationships. She wrote um, the Master's in uh, at Oxford uh, in the collaborative economy. She was so smart, she predicted the rise of Airbnb and Uber. Uh, she said the next disruption that happens, and, and then it was a digital disruption, 
She said taxis and hotels will be wiped out because there will be there will be a uh, th- there will be a digital player that will come in and wipe them out because they are not they they don't have strong enough relationships with their with their with their passengers uh, or with their guests. And she was right. Uh, I'll read work even by people like John Gottman at Washington State University he looks at collaborative relationships. This is romantic relationships. He gets couples on the couch and just asks them to talk to each other for, say, 10 or 20 minutes. He, he records the conversation, content analyzes it, and he can predict whether that couple will uh, have a lasting relationship or not just based on the conversations they're having. So I look at this and I think, uh, what? Do, uh, and to me, they're all examples of collaboration. And then I look at... I look at psychoanalytics and I look at uh, like personality profiles and uh, look at uh, how close uh, people are every day to their underlying personality. And some folks that I coach, uh, their underlying personality is dramatically different than how they are at work. Like say underlying, they're very introverted and at work, they're very extroverted. That takes a ton of energy. So I think uh, we're looking at when you think of chasing that niche, you think, uh, is it your niche or is it somebody else's? Ensure that it's yours. I was working with uh, a, a large, I won't say where it was, it was a large university in Asia. Uh, and their their problem was that a lot of their students were suffering severe anxiety and depression because the reason they were at the university was because that's what their parents wanted them to do. They were living their parents' lives. Uh, and you think, well, how, how much is this my mum's niche? Is it my dad's niche? Is it someone else's? Is it my partner's, my husband's, my wife's, or is it mine? So I'd say step one is make sure it's yours because you're going to need you're going to need that love and that passion for that niche to drive through the challenges that you will no doubt have. Mm. What do you do? What are your patterns? What do you do naturally well? What do I do naturally well? What I do naturally well is. Uh, build relationships with people. I, 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 I understand people very quickly and I can build a relationship with them and usually build trust and confidence relatively quickly. I didn't realize that until I started doing it a lot more. I thought, I wonder why this is happening so easily for me. I, I'm, I'm willing I'm willing to uh, adapt to suit them. I'm willing to go first. I'm willing to be vulnerable and authentic uh, with people. Uh, I, I love the way Brene Brown put it when she said, uh, courage means telling the story of who you are with your whole heart, and when you do that, you're encouraging other people to open up to to you. If you're if you're a robot uh, that doesn't is never vulnerable or never authentic, you'll get robotic type relationships. So I think that's what I do well. If I can, if I, I mean, Australians have a thing called the tall poppy syndrome, where we don't like mm. promoting ourselves very much. So we're, we're reluctant mm-hmm. to say what we're good at. Uh, when I when I work in California uh, or LA or New York, I, I'm, I meet a lot of people that are very good at self esteem and ego. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. I had, I had a, yeah. an awesome guy that um, I, I won't say where he was from, but his, his first name was Bucky. He was a great example of this. And Bucky was a uh, I, uh, I was working with a company that was selling uh, aircraft engines to aircraft companies. You probably can imagine who, who this was. And I was helping them collaborate better with their clients and get better relationships and generate more revenue. One of the exercises was to was to view yourself on video and then give yourself feedback and get feedback from the group. And I asked, I, I videoed Bucky and I, I showed him the video and I said, Bucky, what's your first impression of yourself? And he said, I'm distractingly attractive. And... <laughs> 
And I thought he was joking. I started laughing. I said, no, no, I'm serious. I realised when I I was 13 or 14 years old, I was a a very attractive guy, and that was distracting people. I'm thinking, wow, this is an ego. That's a being. What am I going to do with this one? (laughs) It's quite extraordinary. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. And I I thought, I've got to be impressed by an ego that big. And he he wasn't a young man. He was probably, what, 40 years old at that stage? So hadn't hadn't been punctured then. So uh, right. I, I'd say that's what I, that's what I'm good at if I if I don't get too much into my tall poppies. Mm, all right. Uh, what proficiencies? What have you learned to do well over time? What I've, what I've learned to do well is facilitate and coach because I've got the knowledge, if you like. I've got the the intellectual knowledge, uh, but what I've had to learn to do is learn how to facilitate, i.e., like run workshops, whether that's virtually or face to face and help the group achieve an outcome. And I've also had to learn uh, like professional coaching, like learn how to help an individual achieve an outcome and the different sorts of relationships. And I've had to learn how to do them because it doesn't matter how much you know. If you can't teach it to somebody, it's, it's irrelevant. I mean, you mentioned fresh from an ocean swim. I do ocean swims most mornings of the week close to where I live. And uh, if... Uh, I'll often, people ask me, oh, Peter, can you help me improve my swimming? I say, uh, absolutely, but I need to understand how to coach them to go faster. It doesn't matter how fast I can swim, it's irrelevant. It's a matter of how much faster I can help them go. Yeah? It's a bit like that. there's a, a great Netflix series called Drive to Survive. I don't know whether you've seen it. It's all mm. about Formula One. No, I haven't. Very, it, very, very good. I'm not into Formula One racing, but I, I love watching. The, and they're like they're, they're billion dollar bit. There's like there's Mercedes and McLaren and all, all the big makes, right. and the teams travel around the world racing in these Formula One. I think Indy's bigger in the US. I don't think Formula One's very big in the US. And they asked one of the team owners. They said, "How do you run such a big team? Uh, it's uh, how, how do you do that? Uh, it's like you've, you've, got, you've got engineers, mechanics, you've got multiple locations." thousand people working for you. How do you do that? He said, oh, it's quite simple. Anybody that wants to talk to me, I just ask them one simple question. How will this make the car go faster? Mm. And I'd say for you, think, how do you make your car go faster? And if you're coaching, in my case, I had to learn, it doesn't matter how fast I can drive or how fast my car goes, that's irrelevant. What's really relevant is how fast I could help your car go. Right. I had to learn how to do that. It's, it's a very, It's a very specific skill it's not teaching it's coaching because mm. teaching is more like i'm lecturing you on something and coaching is more about right. understanding where you are understanding where you can potentially get to than having a dialogue with you to help you to get from point a to point b or i'm in a room full of people how do i get that room how do i facilitate an outcome with that group and uh, i had to learn I, I didn't know how to do either and they're both very different so that was the big learning curve for me Mm. So Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, uh, he has a quote that says, practice is not the thing you do once you're good. Practice is the thing you do that makes you good. So when yes, it comes down to and, and you you have articulated this earlier in, in our program, but how has practice helped you to solve other people's problems that you now are coaching? Yeah, that, that's a. Uh, I, I agree entirely. I, I like Gladwell a lot. He's 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 very. I love the way he writes and love the way he thinks. And you look at people like Michael Jordan. There was another awesome 
uh, program I watched on on him and and his history of the Chicago Bulls. He said the same thing. He said I had a an awesome. I knew I had an awesome amount of natural talent, but I outworked everybody else. So uh, it's it's constantly. Uh, I, I guess being contented in some way with where you are, but thinking, what's the next step for me? Uh, and how do I... Uh, and a lot of people talk about motivation and go to motivational seminars and being motivated. I, I think motivation's overrated. I think it's all about discipline. It's about making a decision mm. about what you need to do and just executing. I love what um, President Obama said when he was first elected. He was, I think it was a, he was a senator in Illinois, in Chicago, and they asked him, they said, look, what are you, tomorrow morning, you're president, what are you going to do? And he said, well, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to make a, a list of what the president would do. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and execute. And I, I do that every week. I, I plan my week out and I plan my days and my months and my quarters. And I, I am disciplined in that I only wake up and execute. I don't, I don't even second guess or think about what's on that list or what's in that. Di- I just do it. Because I've decided in advance that they are, that is what I need to do to achieve my goal and to help my clients achieve theirs. So I'm a, I, I love discipline. And you can be disciplined and not motivated. You can have no, zero motivation at all and still be disciplined and still get it done. You can not feel like doing it. And a lot of the things I, I do, I don't feel like doing. I don't wait to be feel right to do it. I just do it because I know that's my destiny. I know that... After I've done it, I'll feel good. I don't want to feel good, then do it. I'm going to do it, then feel good and get the self-respect that that I like to have, that satisfaction of saying, yep, I got that done. I did. I executed today. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, Denzel, Denzel Washington said something that you, as you're talking, you actually remind me of it. And I, and I, 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 I want to try to remember it exactly, but I remember him saying, Dreams without goals yes. are just dreams and ultimately yes. they lead to disappointment. He says in order to achieve those dreams, you've got to have consistency and discipline. He says, yes. because without discipline, you'll never start. And without consistency, you'll never finish. I really like Denzel. I mean, I, I've, I've loved his movies for a long time. and I've heard some of his talks and speeches like his commencement addresses at some of the, the big colleges in the US and just hearing him interviewed. And I like the way he thinks. And there's there's no surprise that he has reached the, the peak of his craft because he's got that great mm. combination of of uh, unique talent, unique acting talent, playing many, like good guys and bad guys, lots of different roles. He's not like a, a Tom Cruise who often plays the same person right. over and over and over again. He's right, a right, person right. Who can play. He's got that natural skill acting skill clearly pretty disciplined and and all of the best people I've met and have had the pleasure of working with I like that they've got a ton of natural talent and they've got the, they've got the discipline that 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 hones the skill uh, and they always had the contentment of following that dream or that passion we talked about earlier because they were born to do that Michael Jordan was born to be the best basketball player of all time Denzel Washington mm-hmm. was born to be one of the best actors of all time that's what they're born to do. They tapped into that. They realized that was their unique gift and they honed the craft. And they don't, you don't hone it. Okay, I've done now. It's a constant journey and you get the constant fulfillment of the self-respect from the discipline. And you also get the outcomes that you get from getting better and better at what you're doing. I remember there was a great billboard. I used to drive a, across Sydney Harbour Bridge to work when I worked in the city. And there was a billboard there that said, uh, don't just sit there, call a client. 
the next billboard was, don't just sit there, call somebody else's client. Like I think if I'm not calling them <laughs> or thinking about their problems, somebody else is. If I'm selling apples on my Apple store and, I don't, and I've got apples out, someone else is selling apples, right? Right. So I, I, I always think the... I always think the competitors are just ahead of me because uh, mm. I, I want to not not because I'm so competitive, but because I want to enjoy my clients getting the outcomes only I can deliver. So I want to be the when they talk to me, I want them to have the best experience they've had, and that's a high mm. bar. That's a high bar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I love it. So that that is what I consider to be uh, your niche. This last section now are your secrets. Now, the secrets that I want you to share with the audience is I want you to pretend that as you're talking to me, that you're actually yes. speaking to your younger self, right? So you're speaking to your younger self. And so what one secret would you tell your younger self to help get your younger self from where you are at that moment in time to where you are today? What I'd say to my, my younger self is, is forget about what other people are saying and doing. And... Mm. Connect, connect with your dream and do everything you can to deliver on it and do it as early as possible, whether you're 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 or 30. And it's also never too late. If you're 60 or 70 or 80, it's never too late to, to get this done. If you're current, and at that time, I was employed by a big global consulting firm and I was a mm. bit uh, concerned about leaving. The, wow, who am I to be doing this by myself? If that's the case, what I did was I, I moonlighted. I worked in my consulting role during the day. And I developed my niche at night and on weekends. So I, mm-hmm. I, I got the I got the business idea ready enough, and I talked to a couple of clients about the idea, and it, I engaged them early, so that uh, I wasn't just launching into a big void. But if you're currently employed and you hate what you do or you don't like what you do, it's probably not what you're designed to do. By all means, give your employer your best efforts during the day and whatever that uh, working relationship you have, to develop it at night or on weekends, like moonlight in your niche. And you'll find that couple of hours you spend at night or weekend developing the niche will be some of the best hours you have in the week. So I'd say to my younger mm. self, hey, get started. You know, ha- have faith. This, this is you talking to you. This is your dream and you're designed to fulfill it. Yeah, there's a great, uh, speaking of faith, there's a great uh, scripture in Ecclesiastic says, sow your seed in the morning and in the evening time, do not let your hands be idle, which is in essence, yes, yes, um, yes. A, a proverbial way of saying what, what you're actually articulating there. How important would you tell your young younger self, is it to be consistent at what you're doing? Uh, I'd say consistent in terms of of discipline and effort, uh, but what mm-hmm. I wouldn't be telling him is that uh, you, you will know you will know all of the answers straight away. I mean, I, I like I think it was um, uh, Sharma Otto Sharma. I think he was from Harvard. He had what he called U theory, and he said all you need is the ultimate destination and the immediate next step. That's what I'd say to myself. Mm. All you need is the I ultimate like destination you're headed towards. And then yes. you don't you don't need every step. You don't need to have the whole strategy laid out because that's no one knows what your strategy is going to be. All you need to do is think, okay, here's where I am, and my my ultimate destination is is uh, living a life uh, professionally where I'm I'm exercising my niche for the benefit of others. My immediate next step is this: like I'm going from A to B, then mm-hmm. B to C, then C to D. 
Yeah, so you don't need to have the whole thing laid out. I see a lot of people that are concerned about developing their niche and they spend a year developing a strategic plan. I say, just wasted a year. You just wasted a year because mm. how will you right. know? How will you know what's in that plan? You've got no idea. You're making stuff up. It, mm. it, you don't know. Just start. Just get started, mm. right? And just think, what's the it. next step? And the next step, and and then as you take more steps, particularly if you engage the clients and customers, you'll learn what the journey is. That like you you are you are co-creating this journey with your clients and customers. You're making a unique contribution in a unique way. So there's no way that you can lay it out like a like a like a strategic plan. It's not possible. Not possible. So mm. to say, just get started. Just get started. Get the next step. The next step. The next step. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Les Brown says, in order to do something that you've never done, you've got to be someone you've never been. Yeah. Uh, the last question that I, I have for you is, how do you know when it is time to change course versus staying focused on your goal? Well, I, I'd stay focused on the goal. I, uh, I'd, I'd always keep the I'd always keep the ultimate destination in mind. Uh, I, I'd say you'll always be changing course. It's a little like, I don't know if, if you've ever sailed, uh, you, rarely, you rarely sail in a straight line. If there's no wind, you'll be little no, you'll sail in a straight line. But in fact, the, the, wind, the wind is making you tack in different directions. So you're going diagonally sideways most of the time and ultimately you're going forward, right? So it's a, it's a, if you ever watch a sailing race, that's how it takes place. And when you first learn to sail like I did, uh, you don't, I thought I'm going straight towards the target. No, 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 no. Sometimes you're, you're facing almost opposite the target to, to get attacked mm. to take you back on the target again. So uh, I'd suggest to remember, to remember that you're not, it's not a straight line. It's not like Jordan Belfort's straight line selling. That doesn't work. It's, it's, a, mm. it's a lot of diagonals. And those diagonals will teach you what you need to get the wind in your sails to take you closer to that ultimate destination. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And I love Les Brown, by the way. I love that guy. <laughs> I, I love that. It's me. Oh, yeah. It's me. Like he, 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 it's me. He it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one. I love that. It's so, it's so inspiring. It, it's so inspiring. Yeah, he's, I, I'd he's encourage great. people to listen to Les Brown. He's, he's great. He's very, very good at what he does and he, he is he's a great he's an exemplar i mean he's an example of what i'm talking about he he didn't think i'm sure when he was uh, like a, a teenager he, said he grew up i think he'd lived in a, a basement or with his brother uh, and yeah, he, i think his yeah. mother had, had a single mum. there's no way he could have thought then he'd be internationally recognized uh speaker and yeah. uh, motivator but he he started the journey and he followed his dream he's a great example of, of, of this in action yeah, he's he's an yeah. example of this, and all the all the great people are, all the best people are. Yes. Well, you know, I, I love Les Brown as well, but, but I also believe that those who are listening to this program will love the guest that I have on here today as well. So, Peter Anthony, <laughs> if someone were to get in contact with you, how would they do that? It's easy. Just uh, you can just type in Peter Anthony Consulting. You'll find my website. You'll find my YouTube. There's lots of uh, good content there on the YouTube. You can you can pick up. Obviously, it's free. There's no obligation involved here. I also wrote a book um, called Collaborate Abra, which rhymes with Abracadabra. It's the magic of collaboration. Uh, so you can check those out um, too. So uh, I, if if you do that, it'd be great. Otherwise, I genuinely hope that I'm. Giving you value through this conversation, that you might 
take that next step on that journey that I know is burning in your heart. Mm. Excellent. And so our niche finder community, uh, we, we just recently opened up a Facebook page. Um, and I believe that, you know, if innovative change is an engine, your unique dream and ability could be as fuel. And the best way I believe that you can have that fuel administer to others is to, is to just journal your journey and write your own book. And so we started a Facebook group. We will have the link at the bottom. It is about becoming a first time author on a shoestring budget in less than three months. And so we just basically give people the encouragement that they need to help define their niche and, and also deliver it to a wider audience. And so join us on a Facebook group and we would love to collaborate with you and give you more encouragement as we go forward. And so we look forward to having the very next guest on our program who can help you on your journey towards success. Thanks again, and Peter Anthony, for being on our program. And, and you know, we appreciate all, all that you've shared thus far. Absolute pleasure, Clifton. 